Hey, Ashley. <laughs> Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely, drunk bookcasters. Cheers. Cheers. Woo. We're back. We're back after quite a hiatus. Quite the hiatus. What are you drinking? I am drinking a gin and tonic. <laughs> Something Something's never change. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm drinking um 2013 Red Blend. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who's it by? Prophecy. Nice. They always have really pretty labels. Oh, that's kind of so, cool. Yeah. I like it. I buy it. They're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and actually not bad for market pricing you know for something called red blend yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> nice and you've got fancy new glasses uh-huh. yeah just a fancy new lady over here super fancy <laughs> so should we explain why we have been uh truant sure we were supposed to record i got a new job after being unemployed for a few months um so i've been working at doll's kill trying to open retail and do that retail life very exciting but i'm there every day of my life yeah and you've had your whole other venture yes i'm in school yay we're busy ladies busy ladies but we're back but we're back and it's not gonna happen again we're gonna make it happen Figuring out our lives. Yes. Getting it together. Being adults. I know so many of our loyal fans have been really concerned. Oh, yeah. We got so many messages. Uh-huh. A lot of when concern. They were, if we were okay. Yeah. Some Thank people you. asked if we were alive anymore. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> Side note, I think Bonnie, our friend Bonnie, was the person who reached out to us. Right. Well, I think you're right. (laughs) Which, for that, we love her. And maybe we'll have her as a guest very soon. She will be our first guest because of that. What did we read? Um, We read The Age Spot, The Feminist Pursuit of Happiness by Jill Filipovic. Filipovic, yes. Filipovic, right? Filipovic, I think so. Okay. Um, this book came on my radar because she was interviewed by Amina and Anne on Call Your Girlfriend, and she sounded awesome, and they're awesome, and so I think I was reading it, and then we were like, why don't we just do it for the podcast, so that's why. And I think a couple Mills ladies had also posted it on Instagram, and we were like, well, it's a sign. Totally forgot. Yes. Somebody else, Nicole, somebody we went to at Mills, is a super reader. Oh, by the way. Yeah. I'm very, she's the kind of person, everybody, who posts all of these awesome books that she's reading. And also, it's very impressive how quickly she goes through them. I can't understand it. Yes. (laughs) I'm in awe and very inspired. Uh So anyways, yes, she read it as well. And that also was inspiration. So thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah. So I saw that 
There was an article that I was reading recently, and I don't even remember what it was about, but then I looked at the byline and was like, oh, it's Jill Filipovic. Oh, really? Yes. I don't remember what it was, but it was fairly recently, and yeah. Yes, I recognized her name because of this book. Cool. So, That's awesome. What, what is the book about? Um, so the book is broken into seven, eight chapters, I think. Let me see. Eight chapters and mm-hmm. then sort of a conclusion um, that kind of dive into different areas of life and look mm-hmm. at it through a feminist lens yeah um and also through a lens of how it can create or foster or harm someone's happiness Mm -hmm. you know she looks at friendship a work life Mm -hmm. uh, parenting Mm -hmm. uh, marriage food uh changing your name and just dives into it totally perception yeah, and I really liked her introduction. In fact, kind of mm-hmm. felt like I wanted almost like a – I want that in zine form so I can just, like, give it to people because yeah. I felt like she was establishing her reasons. Like, she was basically presenting her thesis and the context for why she wrote the book and mm-hmm. why it's called The Age Spot and why – it's the feminist pursuit of happiness. And essentially, uh-huh. she was kind of making the argument that, you know, obviously we want to fight for a world in which we have equality uh-huh. and equity, um, if you want to take it another step further. But even further than that, she's arguing, like, we need to be fighting for happiness, which and she kind of goes into the fact that that's a very loose word to define, like... What is the working definition? But essentially, she's making the argument that um, why stop at equality when really we need to go beyond that and create a world in which happiness as um, people who identify as women and I think, I don't know if she explicitly talks about like genderqueer people, but I think she implicitly suggests um, should have the expectation of like happiness. Yeah. just survival. <laughs> hmm Yeah, and I think that when we saw each other recently, we were talking a lot about um, what it means to have equality in life mm-hmm. and um, what it means to kind of work together as humans, not like as, like, you know, women fighting this feminist fight and men trying to figure out what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that one of the things that does get ignored in that is that right to happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the language used is always kind of um, struggling and fighting and look like harsher language. Right. And um, I think it's easy to forget that the basic right of happiness is uh, a strong ideal to be fighting for. Right. It's not talked about a lot. Yeah, and I'm flipping back through the intro a little bit to – I underlined some stuff. I hate when I have, like, a pen at some points when I'm reading a book, and then I underline a bunch of stuff, and then later 
I don't have a pen. And so it's like, right. nothing interesting happened in this part, but it really was just, I didn't have a pen. But anyways, um, right. side note, I like how at the end, so she's talking about, um, you know, this idea of like happiness. And she said, it's, is pleasure centered policy, mad policy, the magic bullet for American women's happiness and success. Of course not. But at a political moment when even the most basic rights of women are under threat, dot, 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 it is crucial to stay on offense and advocate for what we really want instead of cowering in a defense crouch accepting crumbs. So it's like, yes, we have to fight for equality, but like, if it's, it's already really hard, right, to get just those crumbs, but we should be, we should be like demanding more than just, oh, it's it's equal now. It's like barely equal. No, like we should be demanding, um, the rights to be able to pursue lives that bring us happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think it was interesting in part of this book, she was talking about how, um, men and women deal with stress differently. And Mm -hmm. because of that, women do tend to lead happier lives. Um, because I guess the surge of stress creates, um, what was it, a hormone? Mm-hmm. It releases an, an endorphin or something in your body, and then um, estrogen processes it one way, and um, testosterone processes it a different. Um, and that because of that, like women tend to lead happier lives, and the way that stress affects them, you know, it's different. Um, so I think it was interesting to know that and to know that women have a higher tendency for happiness, I guess, Mm -hmm. and then to still see what a struggle that is and all of the ways that women are kind of fighting for that happiness in their day to day, Mm -hmm. uh, just through very basic life needs. Yeah. Um, I feel, I don't have like an exact quote, but I feel like I remember her saying something along the lines of it being like, women experience that happiness despite like all of the things in systemic, um, uh, all of the things working against them, all of the systemic systemic inequality, um, Mm -hmm. not because of the way things are, but despite the way things are, which was really interesting to think about like how how the role of class and money also comes into play, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does bring that up throughout. I think she does a sort pretty of. good job <laughs> of pointing it out. I think that there are times where it kind of slips away. Yeah. Um, but I think that I was actually impressed by the amount of time that she spends on pointing out that this is also some of the things that she's talking are like white women issues right. or like here actually, you know, in this specific circumstance, black women or women of color or, you know, um, queer people have this much harder of a, of a time mm-hmm. dealing with this situation or this basic human right uh, or this indecency. So I think I was in, a little worried the book was going to avoid that or Mm -hmm. miss that topic, but I was pleased to see that she pretty regularly was pointing out those indifferences or those differences. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like it was definitely that her point of view is 
centered and she is a white woman who is you know she's not poor I don't know how much money she makes obviously but she's not poor um but yeah I agree that she makes a point of pointing out what for her is an alternate reality for other people yeah Yeah. I have to say I really liked well I feel like every section I read I was like I like this section. I think this is my favorite section. Yeah. And then I would read the next one and be like, wait, no, I like this one. Um, but I really liked the one on friendship. Yeah, that uh, was a really good one. Because I think that that is, I mean, I think it's a common concept that women, you know, put a lot of value on their girlfriends mm-hmm. and having those circles around them. Um, and it's, been something I wish I had pulled together some of those ideas actually but something where um women rely on their friends for that companionship and that support and men rely on their partners for that and Mm. so they can't imagine why someone would want to just be friends Mm -hmm. um like sex is what goes along with um that sort of tightness or closeness um but I, I liked that section a lot because it was just a, a kind of a warm, cuddly reminder of how important it is to have solid friendships. And, you know, I think that what she was saying I feel very similar to. My girlfriends have been there longer than and in more, in deeper ways than mm-hmm. any relationship I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's really special. I enjoyed that section a lot. Yeah, I love when she's talking about how her grandma um, had her, like, sister and her friends, and they'd come over, and they just, you know, like, had that that connection throughout, you know, even into their later years, which I think is really powerful and kind of connects to one of my favorite, favorite shows of all time, The Golden Girls. Um, because it just feels like a good reminder of that, like you said, power of friendship as your life changes, as your situation evolves, when you Uh have your, when you have your friendships, especially Uh like your lady pals, no offense dudes, but you know, it's just different. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. What, and I was thinking about that, like, when I lost my job, Mm -hmm. I went down to your house the weekend of, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And how it was it was such a special thing to be able to go to my friend's house and be with, you know, chosen family during that time. Totally. But yeah, I think it's great. And spend time with your god dog. Exactly. <laughs> that's the real reason. Come on. <laughs> we all know that's true. <laughs> also, that part has, um, like, the best friendship story of... Anne Friedman and Aminatou So. So, you know, Power Ladies, also inspiration for our podcast, very mm-hmm. special and near and dear. And uh, they talk about Shine Theory, which is also fantastic in that section. So it's like a little shout out. Yeah. Overall, great section. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like it was a little bit less of a bummer than some of the other sections. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, way less of a bummer. Oh, my God. Like, not that I don't like the bummer, or not that I like the bummer, but the bummer is important. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it was a little bit more uh, lighthearted. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. A little bit easier to read on the bus after a long day at work then. <laughs> yes, totally. So, Although I do else. have to say I really enjoyed this book, but also mm-hmm. it took me a really long time to read it. Same. I don't quite know how to put my finger on why. Like, I think maybe some of it is the heaviness and, you know, maybe, like, if in moments where I wanted something lighthearted, this wasn't something I necessarily wanted to turn to in that kind of moment. But I also feel like I was trying to savor it to a certain extent. I don't know what took me so long, but it took a while for me. I feel the same way. Actually, when I first started reading it, I could tell that this was going to be something that took me a while. And I remember thinking, like, well, you know, I was just, like, so exhausted and busy all the time that I was like, Ugh, I just don't even want to touch this right now. Mm-hmm. But then as I kept reading it, I fell more in love with the book but it still took me a while and I feel like there's a bit of like necessary repetition in here Mm. and so I think that that kind of slowed me down a little bit also yeah uh and like I don't know maybe I'm just remembering it wrong I kind of remember thinking like it read a little bit scientific Mm. which It wasn't really, but I remember also thinking, like, okay, this means, like, I have to really pay attention to, like, each word that's written down. Right. And make sure that I don't miss anything. You know, it. I think because of that, I I kind of slowed myself down, too. But I also, like, I didn't really want it to end. I I wanted to, like, keep going with this idea, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know that um, the author writes, you know, pieces on these topics, like, uh-huh. for a few different, like, web publications and magazines and stuff, uh-huh. and so I think part of what was enjoyable was that it felt like each section was, you know, a really intriguing article about, you know, women changing their names after uh-huh. marriage, or a really intriguing article about, uh-huh. you know the modern person's decision to become a parent. And so I think, yeah, I think part of it too was like, I'm really enjoying this, but I don't necessarily want to get to the end of that section. Right. Yeah. Um, The name change, I almost said article chapter (laughs) was really interesting. It's something that I think about a lot and we were actually just talking about it Mm -hmm. when you were, last but there was one part I wonder if I flagged it um where she said something like it's still an extremely high percentage of women who change their name and how she always is like who still does that yeah apparently everybody yeah it's it's so shocking it's so shocking to me that that's still such a widely accepted change yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I I felt the same way. I am feeling like such an idiot because I literally must not have had a pen. And I didn't underline anything in that section, but that was one of yeah. my favorite sections. Um, yeah. And I remember, this is like maybe months ago at this point, but I remember I was like reading it and wanted to like <laughs> proselytize. <laughs> I just wanted to like find anybody I could to be like, you need to read this. And I remember like being 
like maybe sitting on the couch or being in bed and being like, Michael, I have to read this to you. And I probably read like three pages and he was like, okay, wasn't expecting you to read the whole book to me, but cool. Like, But I was just like, everybody needs to hear this now. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, wait, I didn't flag anything in that section. Yeah, I'm pissed about not doing How that. How is that possible? Uh, oh, I found, okay, wait, I found this one section. Um, I'm I'm just probably gonna end up reading three pages again. I'll try not to. <laughs> um, so it's what saying page? like it's sorry two forty nine. So it's talking about like uh the desire for women to change their names, um, uh-huh. and it says and it's talking about why it's not the same for men, and saying like uh-huh. men also like women sometimes have you know, absent or abusive fathers who they want to change their names from. Men, Uh also like women, sometimes have unappealing last names or marry women whose last names are like a quote-unquote better last name. But virtually no men change their names when they get married, nor would most consider it. In one survey conducted by Men's Health Magazine, 96.5% of respondents said they would not even consider taking their wife's name. 96.5%. Why not? According to one man who took the survey, my name is part of who I am. <laughs> and the next line, who I am with or without a husband is not an identity we've socially cultivated in women, which is so true. Um, and it says the same men who said they would never even consider changing their last names largely demanded that their wives take theirs. 63% said they'd be upset if their wives kept their own names. Um, and somebody yeah. said... Hyphenation is a direct fuck you to a man's masculinity. It elevates his father-in-law's manhood over his own. But if you don't, like, if you pay attention to the opposite side, like, why does your father's manhood get elevated over, like, your wife's identity? Like, I was just, uh, I mean, I felt this way about last names for a very long time. Um, And it's just... It kind of, like you said, is mind-boggling to me to think about, like, how few people would even consider it. Like, even think about it. Right. Right. <sighs> I know. Well, there's just, like, so, ah, there's so many levels to it. And it's also, like, it elevates his father-in-law's manhood over his own. Maybe someone has a really amazing family and they want to stay tied to that identity. Not only their own personal identity, but the identity of their family. Right? Mm-hmm. Like. Why is that so hard to imagine that, like, maybe their father's manhood is better than, like, the person that they're marrying? And even, like, even that's taking it out of the woman's identity. But it's just, like, even if you look at it at the most basic levels, like, oh, God. No, this, I just found, like, this next paragraph, too. It was just, like, holy, this, I think this is the paragraph I was, like, So... It's hard to read those responses and men's refusal to change their own names and not conclude that name changing isn't about love or family. It's about power and the understanding that a woman's identity is contingent on a man's. If both parties really saw marriage as a union of equals, then it wouldn't be a big deal for each individual to keep their name. If the only reason for name changing was a strong desire for a shared family name, then you would see men take their wives' names as often as they take their husbands' names, but you don't. And I remember being like, yes, that's what it is. It is about power, and it's so, like, creepy and weird to me that it isn't questioned, like, way, way, way more. Like, it's fucking weird. It's, like, dominating. Right, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? It's like a father passes their daughter off to the man at the wedding. They give their daughter away. 
there used to be dowries for this too. Like they, and then the man, so the husband literally passes off the daughter saying, okay, now she's your responsibility. And then she takes his name and she's no longer like her father's responsibility. She's now her husband's. It's all ownership. Yeah. Here's your business transaction. Here's your property. Right. And like, this is what we were talking about when you were here. Like, before my name changed to my dad, the one who raised me my whole life, mm-hmm. I had a different last name. I felt no tie to that last name. I had no problem changing my name to somebody else's in marriage if I found a marriage that like, I wanted it to be a union. Mm-hmm. Because that wasn't who I was. Right. My identity. Now that I have my family's last name, I'm like, no. Like, that's me. I'm not changing that. Like, mm-hmm. why would I even do that? It it just doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. that that's not a bigger conversation, yeah. and it's just an assumed thing. And I mean, I think she says in here too, like I learned this out the old fat or the the modern way, Facebook, and it's always shocking to me seeing all of our friends, my friends, getting married and their names just changing. Mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. I know some people who are engaged and they've already changed their names on Facebook. It's like, what? I remember being a kid, like a kid, like the most thing, I, worst thing I had to worry about was like, can I ride my bike past 5 p.m. or is my parents, are my parents going to be mad that I wasn't home in time for dinner? And I remember mm-hmm. literally thinking like, I really like my last name. When I get married, I'm going to feel really sad to get rid of my last name. Because, like, even as a little kid, I knew that that was the expectation. Like, how fucking weird yep. is that? How strange totally. is that? I had, the, I remember having the same feelings, like, back when I went by Matson, even though it wasn't my name. Like, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, I don't want to give it up. Like, that would make me sad to not have my name anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's your name. It's the name that, I mean, we really want to get into it. It's the name that someone else gave you, right? right? So it's also, like, if you don't feel tied to your name, change it. Yeah, do whatever totally. You want. Totally. But, like... If you do feel tied to it, if you do identify yeah. with it... Right, like, keep it. It's who you are. It's your name. That's what people have been calling you for your entire life. Right, and as women become able to not become but maybe in some for some people as women are able to you know have accomplishments and graduate excuse me from like higher education it's like that's also the name that represents those accomplishments and carried you through those successes and that hard work and it represents you know what you accomplished in in at that time and in those moments it's like my degrees are under my First and last name, the last name that I was, you know, given at birth and that I have used my entire life. To switch it now after I've accomplished all those names almost seems to like, or I've accomplished all those things almost seems to erase those accomplishments in a way, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Sorry. After achieving all those other names. <laughs> I guess the gin is working. <laughs> I've achieved lots of names. <laughs> All of my screen names from AOL Messenger to MSN Messenger to Skype to Facebook and Instagram. I have a lot of names. My very first uh, Hotmail account, my AOL account. All my names. Seven, for example, was mine. You were what? 
Dance Ballet 7. Oh, I like that. Dance Ballet 7. I was Roxy Girl 808. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I I wish I had screenshots of, like, did you do screenshots then? Probably. I didn't know computers yet, but of, like, (laughs) my friend list on AIM to show, like, how many people had Roxy or, like, Billabong. Yes. Yeah. Pax Pax yeah. All of those. It's so amazing. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I also at one point was girly doll face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. I had Dance Ballet 7. I had Viva La California. Oh, that's very Viva. cute. <laughs> And then I also had love to annoy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I, I was awkward as a child. <laughs> at one point in middle school, I had lucky underscore 13 charms. Because, <laughs> like, I thought lucky charms would be cool, but it was taken. <laughs> so I had to use some, like, 13s and underscores. <laughs> oh, my God. I was it with 13. <laughs> Did you, did you do that on purpose? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was, like, cool. <laughs> You're, like, edgy. Yeah, it was, like, cute and edgy. <laughs> Makes sense. Just what we all strive for. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. We don't see you. And, like, why would we lose all of those names? <laughs> I've accomplished <laughs> all of those names. <laughs> I was talking with my dad about how I feel like ours is the first generation who never gave up on styles and trends Mm. like a lot of like our parents and generations older than that their old trends and styles from when they were kids have come back right but they went through different styles then they went through different fads our generation has never dropped the 90s or the early 2000s (laughs) like we just won't let it die that's and it, true. you know, there might have been like five years where we tried something else, but it really quickly like went. As soon as someone was like, "You know what? Mm, I think I'm going to bring back some early 2000s stuff," we're all like, "Yes, cool, on it, no problem." I have to say, there are some early 2000s things that I cannot go back to. Like mini cardigans, can't do it. Do you remember those? I do remember. Little like I'm just going to cover my arms cardigans. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, okay. I also, as I get older, I have no desire to have low-waisted pants. I'm very cool with high-waisted. I will stick with my high-waisted. Oh, same. I will never do low-waist. I hate it. Like, I don't need to, like, let everything out. (laughs) I don't need to, like... It never should have been a thing. It's just uncomfortable. It doesn't feel comfortable because you're, like... Your butt crack's always on the verge of coming out. Your belly's always, always cold. Like, you're never warm. It's just not comfy. Like, you can't bend over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. You'll just sew everything. And my butt looks really good in high-waisted pants. Right, exactly. My If I wear high-waisted pants, it kind of makes my legs look a little bit longer, which is cool because I'm a short person. See? There you go. There's no, like, who... I remember one time a guy, stupid man, was like, I don't understand why women wear high-waisted pants. Like, it makes your butts look 
so long and weird or something. I was like, so you literally like a short butt, like a butt that's cut in half. That's what you like? That doesn't make any sense. You're an idiot. I was just like, uh, so, I feel like this was in high school because I've been wearing high-waist pants when it was not cool right, at all. Right. And I was just like, well, you're, you don't make any sense. Like, so you like a short butt. A short butt, really. I got so mad at them. section that I thought was really important was the sex section especially Mm. talking about like the whole weird dichotomy between like puritanical virgin culture and like the expectation that everybody's sex life is like fun and energetic all the time and like Especially people who are raised in virginity culture who then, like, have to have that switch. So they talked to – she interviewed that one couple and that woman who was, like, I was supposed to, like, on my wedding night just, like, suddenly feel really comfortable with sex when I'd been shamed about sex my entire life and it was really scary. Like, how do you flip that switch when you're told sex is horrible, sex is horrible, sex is horrible, and then – like, suddenly you're married, so now sex is wonderful, and you better enjoy it, and you better be good at it, and you better not feel any shame about it. Like, that's fucking right. crazy. I know. I thought that that story was really interesting, because I literally never thought about that before in my life. Me neither. Like, I was not raised in a world where, like, I was taught to save myself, and that mm-hmm. a woman's body is pure, you know, whatever. That's the dramatic version. But, like, right. that religious life, and then... Um, I just never really thought about it. Like, I didn't really know anybody doing that, whatever. And so to hear her story and, like, yeah. they did therapy and – was that the same couple? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right? Yes. Um, it, it was heartbreaking. Totally. But it makes so much sense. You're you're literally taught that this thing is awful and that God will hate you. Yeah. But now, in the span of 30 minutes, it's now okay. Yeah. Ugh. And not only is it okay, it's expected and mandatory. Totally. Like, she talks about how, like, her husband was really great because he was okay with her, like, having a hard time with it. But, like, I think Joe made the point that, like, a less, like, accepting or understanding husband would be like, no, like, we're doing it now, and marital rape is a very real thing, and that's fucking scary. That's really scary. I I did highlight, I don't even need to look back at it to remember the part where they're talking about in Trump's election when Ivana Mm -hmm. came forward about something, his, like, lawyer or counselor or whatever was like, uh, you can't rape your wife. Ugh. And it's just so upsetting to hear that phrase uttered today. Yeah. Like, and that goes back to the property and the name changing. Totally. And, like, when you take his name, that's an ownership change. Well, not everybody... But, you know, like, the history behind it is, like, a change in ownership, and that leads to the idea that a husband cannot rape his wife. Ugh, God. Because she is his property. And it's, and that's still an idea that people have. Totally. Totally, totally. And it's still, like, it's still a thing that people will 
people that I think a lot of times would otherwise consider themselves like progressive or quote unquote hashtag woke will uh-huh. say things that essentially they boil down to that expectation. Like when somebody's like, well, but you know, you liked having sex the other time or, oh, but you know, you had a sexual relationship with that person or, but, oh, you know, you had consensual oral sex with the person first. Like as if all of that implies that that that's an open, okay. Right. Forever and ever. I think there was something else I saw recently. I don't know if you've seen an app or something that, you know, the gross techie bros right now are trying to create that makes you sign a contract before having sex so that there's, like, written consent. Oh, my gosh. But it's, like, consent can change. Someone can consent and then change their mind. Like, signing that is a trap. And it's a trap to, like, later abuse your consent and abuse your relationship. Totally. Yeah. Um, But there is that idea that, oh, that means that you're okay with it always. Or... You said yes, and then we started hooking up, and then you changed your mind. But, no, you can't just, like, we were started. I'm going to get blue balls. Ugh, God. Don't even talk to me about blue balls. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Like, that ugh, that whole rumor, right? Oh, but right. you can't stop because he's going to get blue balls. Like, you know what? That 15-year-old boy can go masturbate. Like, he's already right. doing it 19 times a day. It's cool. Right. <laughs> Which is an exaggeration, obviously. But still, the point is, like, that's a horrible rumor. Actually, Michael and I were kind of just talking about all this because we were talking about the Aziz article situation. um, And I was, like, I was basically, I was talking about the idea that, like, we obviously should live in a world where women should be able to feel comfortable to say, explicitly yes and no but unfortunately we live in a world where you say no explicitly to the wrong person and you are in very real danger and so instead what many of us have learned and sort of picked up from you know the messages of our society is that the best way to say no is to say no sort of implicitly and Uh you know that's the best way to keep yourself safe and that's a very real concern and you know need but Uh so anyways in ideal world we'd all be able to say no when we felt like saying no but we don't live in that world right now and so essentially for men and this sucks because it still puts the impetus on them but for the meantime it's kind of necessary if you're in a situation and it seems wishy-washy, your default setting needs to be to back off. Like, right. if you're a man and you're in a situation where somebody says yes, but no, but maybe, but no, you need to back the fuck off. Because oh. we don't live in the kind of world right now where people can say no when they actually mean to say no always, you know? Right. And so the default setting needs to be to back the fuck off, to say never mind, to not worry about the whole, like, oh, but it's not sexy when you ask to kiss somebody. Like, you know what? Fuck it. Protect other people and protect yourself and back the fuck off. That needs to be your default if you are Mm -hmm. unsure because we don't live in a world where people can always say no. I totally agree. And I think that's a good way to look at this, too. I mean... Obviously, we were together when we read that article. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about it, but I think that 
I've still been thinking about it and trying to figure out how I feel about all of it. I think that what you just said is a great point. Like, there needs to be that responsibility there, and I think that's a reasonable, fair responsibility to ask of somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read an, just, like, a quick, I don't know, like, someone had quoted an article mm-hmm. that said, a woman had said, oh, I actually don't know if it was a woman. Someone had said, well, if that's considered sexual assault, then every woman has been sexually assaulted. I think I read that too, yeah. And then the person was like, well, yeah, that's the point. Like, This is why we're having this conversation. Right. And it hurts because I think that I had that same thought after reading it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if that's what we're talking about, then, like, that happens all the time. Right. Of course. Right. And it's, I think it's painful on many levels because, A, everyone loves disease and, like, he's the funny guy who's a feminist. Mm-hmm. Be because then that's admitting to yourself so many things that have gone wrong. Right, totally. It's and painful to kind it's, of recognize it's that. Hard. Yeah, I think that this is one that's been hard for men and women. Um, and you know, just acknowledging that, like, oh well, now I have to, I have to feel more. And I think that's why it's so important because I think a lot of guys up until this point have been able to be like, but I'm a hashtag nice guy. Like, I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm a feminist. Like, I understand that you need consent. I believe in, you know, you know, respecting people, which Uh high bar, but you know, it's, it's created a situation where a lot of people who were feeling like, oh, you know, I am not a Harvey Weinstein. I don't have to fucking worry about this. Have realized, oh, wait, like the way that, uh, the way that men are socialized to believe that like in order to sleep with a woman, you have to push for it. And oh, by the way, women don't really like sex that much. So the best that you can hope for is like, you know, a lukewarm okay. Like that's something that a lot of people have to, that we all have to start talking about and questioning because obviously women, many women, not all women, but many women do enthusiastically like sex, but they may not like the shitty sex that they're having with dudes who are pushy and creepy and only caring about themselves. Right, and I think that that was an interesting thing that she talked about in that chapter, too, where she said um, that women are meant to be sexual, or meant to be sexy, but not sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something else that adds to all of these issues, is, yes. like, we understand that our bodies naturally are sexualized, right? Like, that's what we're growing up to understand. Like, you have to be careful how you dress, because boys are going to look at you this way and they can't help it. It's just the way your body is. And like your body is just naturally sexy and there's nothing you can do about it. Don't wear, don't show your bra straps. Don't wear tight shirts. Don't have cleavage. And don't have sex. Right. Because you like, you're the one that has to push away all the time. Right. Don't have sex. Right. You can be sexy, but not sexual. Then I think that that leads to a lot of that inner turmoil to make it so that women don't know how to have those conversations in sex and mm-hmm. how to like make sure I think that a lot of it most of it is men there being a culture around it where men don't have to worry about how women are feeling in sex but I think that yeah. women aren't raised and brought up to be comfortable asking about it either totally. you know totally which is another thing I thought of actually in the chapter where she was talking about working mm-hmm. and how women earn less and 
women who, I think she says, women who get married after 30 earn something like 18% more than women who get married before 30. And my first reaction to that, because I'm currently an unmarried person living alone and working, Mm -hmm. I wonder if part of it is also the fact that women who are unmarried under 30 have to ask for more. Mm. We don't have an option, you Mm -hmm. know, like we can't survive without it. And I think a lot of, again, a lot of inequality between men and women is systematic sexism and, there's issues that are beyond any of this but I know that like this is something that I've had to learn how to do mm-hmm. because I have to do it to survive mm-hmm. um, which is another reason why I think it's important for women to be single and kind of have that experience alone because it teaches you how to have those conversations but like totally I, I wonder if that has something to do with it yeah it's really interesting And it's really interesting, too, to, in that section, to look at how, and this is something that I also have thought about, to look at how, like, all of this inequality plays across the spectrum of all Mm -hmm. different women um, of different socioeconomic backgrounds and of different ethnic and racial backgrounds, because when you start breaking it down, you recognize how extreme the inequality is um, in certain groups, so much more so than, like, when we look at just the broad strokes. Because the broad strokes actually do kind of um, cover up some of the extreme extremes of that inequality amongst certain groups. Yeah. Which is alarming. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I, yeah. I don't know. I think that section was pretty good at drawing that out. Mm-hmm. Or linking that out, I should say. Yeah, and I guess to kind of, like use that as a wrapping up point like I really thought all of these sections were super important and worthy of probably like if I had my druthers like highlighting every single line I know know. it's very true well and I think that's apparent too just in that like yeah when I first started reading this like I liked the introduction I liked the first section but I was kind of like I don't know if I have the energy mm-hmm. to read this right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't have it. I need something that's, like, funny and lighthearted. Right. But it was really good. Yeah. And I ended up, like, not – there were times where I, like, didn't want to put it down because it was so good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a great book. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I fully understand why everyone was posting about it. Yeah, I'm glad that we read it, and I really would suggest that others read it. I don't know if this is a book, like, I feel like I need to keep on my shelf. Like, I might actually pass my copy on to somebody Mm -hmm. who I think would enjoy reading it. Yeah, I think because I kind of read it while I've been so crazy, I think I want to read it one more time. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I think I'm going to pass it on to somebody. Yeah. I think it's a good one to pass on. What are we reading next, though? My brilliant friend. My brilliant friend. Yeah. Elena Ferrante? Ferrante? By Elena Ferrante. Sounds good. Cool. The cover is, like, not appealing, but I've heard from so many people to read it. 
I know. I've heard so many people talk about this. Even my old district visual manager from when I was a store manager at American Apparel was reading this. And he was like, you have to read it. It's so good. And he always had great taste in books. So Shit. Well, then we got to do it.